hello and welcome back to the Weight of Freight podcast series. I'm Argus Freight reporter Michael Connolly, and today I'm happy to be joined by Ilya Espino de Marota, the Deputy Administrator of the Panama Canal. Thank you for speaking with me, Ilya. Good morning, Michael. Well, good morning in Panama. Yeah, here too. <laughs> you're in the UK, I guess it's good afternoon. Yeah, so let's just get right into it. Were you surprised that canal transit volumes in 2021 eclipsed 2019 levels, even with the continued impact of the pandemic? Yeah, we were pleasantly surprised, I have to say. Our forecast this was done in June 2020. We didn't think uh, traffic was going to recoup as much. So, yes, it was it was a surprise because by June we still had a not so much traffic and had it hasn't picked up yet. But yes, we were a little bit surprised about it, but it was a good surprise. Okay, now more broadly, how has the pandemic affected canal logistics over the past few years? What have been the biggest differences between the pre and post pandemic world for y'all? Basically, the way we operate, we had to adapt. We have to make a lot of adjustment to our workforce. So at the beginning, when the pandemic was in, in the highest, we actually operated with about 60% of our workforce. And we switched reporting hours and all that to, to keep the workforce health in good shape and for safety purposes. But we were also very concerned with not disrupting shipping or, you know, so we had to look at our workforce and the clients. So we made some changes until we got, let's say, COVID ready. We had to modify about 800 of our facilities for people to report safely. We had to implement all of the COVID measurements. So once we got that under control, we brought about 95% of the workforce back. We're still doing some work from home, mainly the administrative people. And it's been good. It's been working very good. We have vaccinated about 80% of our workforce. We have random COVID tests. So we have been able to keep up with shipping. We have been able not to disrupt shipping and, and give a good service to our clients. Has Omicron affected anything? Not so far. Thank you, Lord. Okay. <laughs> not so far. And uh, So now let's move on to another hot topic, ESG. What investments did the canal make this year and is anything planned for the coming year? Okay. As far as investments, we are we started our water project. We signed a memo of understanding with the US Corps of Engineers and we actually signed a contract with them. We had a kickoff meeting to finally start, let's say, our water project, which is a, a long-term project. It's about $2 billion. So that's already rolling. We also issue the bid for 10 hybrid tugs. That was the, the bid went out uh, Friday last week which is the purchase of 10 hybrid togs with an option of 10 more. And this is towards our carbon emission neutrality by 2030. So we've been doing those big projects in that area. We, of course, have our traditional reforestation projects in the in the watershed. We're also analyzing and we are going to put up to bid a contract to do some facilities consolidation. We are very spread out throughout the country, so we want to consolidate about 33% of our installations into more environmental friendly buildings. So that's something that's going to come in the future. We also have purchased already four electric cars and we are going to try to go on that mode. And we're also doing our green route, making some improvements to it for not only our benefit, but also of our clients. And of course, make, make an impact in the world. Okay, interesting. Thank you. Uh, now, looking at transit volumes, I mentioned before that there was a, a jump from 2019 levels and a big driver was China. The number of China-bound cargo shipped through the canal roughly doubled from 2020 to 2021. Now, part of that was because 2020 was a down year. But do you expect to see continued growth in China-bound exports and growth at this pace? 
Yes, and not at this pace. I, I don't think it will be such a big spike, but definitely, I mean, we, it was driven mainly by grain, LNGs and LPGs, but now we switch to container containerized cargo because of, you know, the, the high impact it's having on final goods, mainly in the States. So we do see an increase, maybe not in the same segments. I think energy products, LNG and LPG will continue to grow, maybe not at this huge pace, but yeah, we do see an upper trend, maybe not as drastic as the change from 19 to 2021. And which market segments do you see as being the biggest, uh, I guess, growth areas in the coming year? In the coming year, I would say container, LNGs, and LPGs, more than, than the grain-driven market spike that we had from 19 to 21. So 2021, the canal raised its maximum draft for its Neopanamax locks to, I believe, 50 feet. Do you expect any additional increases in this in the coming year? No, that's the maximum draft that we offer. The canal, when we build the third set of locks, the locks themselves will in the future be able to give a 55-foot draft, but the channels have not been deepened to give that draft. So 50, it's the maximum draft we can do because of the bottom of the canal. So 50 is what we offered. What we do is when we have dry season, which will start in the next coming weeks, the we you know there's no rainfall. We work on fresh water. So when those months come, we try to do the most efficient saving of water to be able to maintain the highest draft. So we will go down from 50 because we cannot maintain the lake at lake level at 85 without rain. But we try to keep a minimum of 46 foot draft. So it's a very competitive draft still for any cargo coming through the canal. We try to. We don't want to go below 46. So we try to make water saving measures in the original locks because the new locks have the water saving basins. But in the original locks, we created a new way to kind of emulate the water saving basins of the Neopanamax. And we do uh, cross filling, which we move water from one lane to the other, saving water. So we implement those measures. We already started, as a matter of fact, in one of the locks. And depending on the lake level, the influx of water from rivers or any sporadic rains that we have, we announce about a month ahead of time the draft restrictions that are coming. And our goal is never to go below 46. Okay, thank you for that. So with all the vessel traffic in the prior year, the booking slot auction became very active for shippers wanting to transit the canal. Can you talk a little bit about what this process is like for shippers? And uh, what price Neopanamax slots usually go for and how high did bids uh, get this year? Yeah, of course, the, the auction system depends on the queue, how many vessels are waiting, the day of the week and all that. So we have two types of auctions, one that it's been a standard auction we have for a long time, and then a new one that we just implemented this year. The original auction system has a, a starting price now of $93,000, I believe. And that is given when one of the already booked vessels either cancels, changed their date, or whatever. So we have eight bookings per day in the Neo Panama locks. Now we created what we call a special auction, and that starts at $100,000, which is the nine slot. And that depends on when we see that there's going to be enough flexibility on the different types of segments that come through that we can add one more. And the difference on that one is that the in-transit time is 36 hours, it's a little bit longer. Highest auction, I think, has been a million dollars, a little over a million dollars for the Neo Panamax and about 950000 for the Panamax. The average price for 2022 to 21, I think it was 237000 the average. 
for the Neopanamax and 83,000 for the Panamax. So it, it depends on the queue. Like for now, today we have a uh, 90 vessels waiting, but sometimes we go to 114, 120. We try to keep it under 70, but it depends on arrivals. And we're having, like today, we're having not a, such a big arrivals, but sometimes we have 59 days arrival. So we're trying to put, we're, our sustained capacity, it's about 38 vessels per day. But like the other day, we put in 44, depending on the vessel mix. So we we want to bring the queue down and offer a better service. That's, that's our goal. Okay. Uh, earlier this year, the canal in June uh, raised its fees for booking slots. Can you explain the reason for this increase and do you expect any further increases? Well, it's the value of the route. Definitely there's more demand and we will continue adjusting according to the demand. The The booking price was, let's say, undervalued. So we uh, we did some, we're doing some analysis on dy- dynamic pricing also. We're, we're kind of changing a little bit our pricing structure and actually We've been talking to all of our clients and explaining to them we're going to go for to a more simplified system. It will work kind of like the freshwater fee, where you have a fixed fee for the different types of vessels and then a capacity. So the booking is, let's say, a an initial step on securing the value of the route. So we went from $35,000 to $70,000 for a booking in a, a smaller vessel, and then we went to eighty-five from thirty-five dollars to for the new Panamax. So the new toll structure that we'll announce eventually, we are going to give our customers our proposal so they can give us our comments, our feedback. And then, of course, we'll have a meeting like we always do, a hearing. It it will be to simplify and to make it more versatile for them and for us and more predictable. So and booking is, is part of that, too. Okay. Earlier this year, the canal adjusted its transit booking system to allow only Neopanamax full container or passenger vessels to apply for transit slots between 81 days and a year in advance. Other ships, such as oil and LPG tankers, now have more limited booking options as they can only reserve slots about four, between 4 and 21 days in advance. How have these changes affected canal operations, and do you expect any further adjustments? Well, we're always looking at the system. We get feedback from our customers. And because containers and passenger vessels have very defined schedules, they need to make ports on certain days. We give them the priority. They're also, these containers is our number one customer. So we give them more options to be able to secure a slot. Then we actually improve our system to allow LNGs to be able to have more certainty and more availability to book a slot. And with the auction, the, the two different auctions, then it's open to all the segments, the special auction, especially is open to the Panamax Plus vessels, which are the Panamax vessels that because of their draft, they want to come through the Neo Panamax locks. And otherwise they would have no option because they don't have priority to book a slot with the auction system. Now they can use, and, and some of the vessels are doing that because they will have an option to cope with the less cargo and go through the Panamax locks. So we always adjust these slots according to the need, the mix. We review it all the time. We don't make changes all the time, but it goes according to the, we we have a ranking system also to prioritize our best customers and give them some kind of options because they are very good customers. So the booking system is part of that. Okay. Now, uh, this new booking system has coincided with an increase in U.S. LPG exports to Asia which is at times led to increased congestion for those vessels uh, who are trying to transit to the Pacific Basin. Are there any plans to alleviate these this congestion? Well, we added that additional period that I mentioned so that the LNGs have a better option of booking. And 
we also try to accommodate vessels. We are planning on, uh, we have um, elim not eliminated, but we have relaxed some of the restrictions that we have. When we opened the canal five years ago, the expanded canal, we have never had LNG vessels coming through. So we put a lot of restrictions on the type of requir operational requirements for those vessels. Now, with five years of experience, we have kind of put some flexibility into their restrictions. And there's a couple more that we could improve on to allow, let's say, more capacity on a daily basis and accommodate more LNG. So we're looking at that. We already went through one of them, which was the two tugboats where firefighting 100% requirements out because we have a very good fire protection system in the locks we force only one tugboat to be fully firefighting capacity. So that allows us to have more flexibility in the assignment of a tugboat fleet for the LNGs. The other restriction they have right now is that they can come in one of the locks at dark, but they cannot exit the other one at dark. So that's something that we would have to look at with our workforce and try to flexibilize that so we can increase the capacity on that segment. Okay. Uh, so those are all the questions I had for now. Thank you again, Ilya, for speaking with me. And until next time, this was The Weight of Freedom.